welcome to the first of many daily updates to our podcast mini series journey for justice the trial of kyler used we just got out of the first day of court proceedings and i'm Haley godburn and i'm joined by fellow digital content producer caitlin brown and our reporters who are with us here today caitlin knute and andy alcock so we're just gonna give you a quick rundown of what happened today in court Yeah, so let's just start with Caitlin. Caitlin, you were in the courtroom. So, you know, as the families entered and Kyler entered, like, what was the room like? What did they look like? How did everyone behave today? Well, first the families came in. And so uh, they've limited how many family members could actually be in there. So there are about two rows. And on one side, it was Kara Kopetsky's mom and stepdad, and then Jessica Runyon's mom. And they sat together And even before things got started, they would occasionally kind of pat each other on the arm or nod to one another. Um, You know, these these families had become really, really close over the course of this investigation over these years. And then on the other side of the courtroom, there was a row, Jessica Runyon's dad and some of his family members. So those were the family members who were in court today. Um, When Kyler Eust came in, they they all looked at him, kind of watched him. They were sitting in front of me, so I couldn't quite see their expressions, but they definitely were watching for when he came in. He, on the other hand, didn't turn and acknowledge them. He didn't look at the families. He didn't look at the jurors once they came in and they were seated. Um, It's interesting, you know, early on in the investigation, he had kind of this punk rock persona. Um, You know, he had piercings and long hair and eyeliner. And today, very, very clean cut. You know, he came in in a charcoal colored dark suit. He had a, a, a collared shirt, a tie, his hair, very clean cut, very neat. And he was kind of scribbling notes furiously um, throughout the proceedings, talking to his attorneys quite a bit, nodding, um, and it seemed very intent on what the judge was saying. But again, there there was no real acknowledgement of of the rest of the courtroom, at least on his part. A couple of times during during opening statements, uh, Kara Kopetsky's stepdad was sitting in between Kara's mom and Jessica Runyon's mom, and he at one point put his arms around both ladies, and they kind of leaned in for a hug. So... You know, I can only imagine how tough this was on them today, but uh, you could tell these families were intent on supporting one another. Andy, you were, you and I were in the media workroom and kind of watching proceedings from there. Um, can you go into a little detail about kind of how the prosecution and defense presented their different opening statements? Boy, they sure were very different. I, I mean, really night and day. And, and I think in a couple of different ways. Uh, first of all, the prose- prosecution statement uh, was... Uh, pretty succinct, uh, did not uh, last very long. I want to say maybe about 15 minutes. Uh, and uh, what the, what uh, Ben Butler had to say essentially was, was that there was a common thread with these two girls uh, who were killed almost a decade apart. They never met each other. Um, and that common thread is Kyler Eust. Uh And uh, he mentioned that uh, just a few days before Kara Kopetsky, uh, um, you know, walked out of high school uh, for the uh, for the last time, Belton High School, as a 17-year-old, she was spotted on surveillance video. Uh, she had taken a protection order uh, against youths who had been abusive uh, to her. Uh, she was his girlfriend, and she did, apparently, you know, didn't want to have anything further to do with him. Um, and uh, so uh, they claim that, um, uh, you know, the same really was true um, with uh, with Jessica Runyon's that use was very possessive uh, of both of these uh, young women. Um, and uh, he didn't like the fact that uh, both of them, I guess, uh, just uh, were fed up with him and uh, he didn't want anybody else uh, to have them. That was the way that, uh, that uh, the prosecution kind of, kind of framed it. And uh, obviously the fact that they were both found in the same remote wooded area 
uh, here in Cass County uh, also was something um, that uh, they highlighted. And another thing which, which we reported uh, at, at 41 Action News uh, a few years ago is that um, a youth friend uh, lived very close to where those girls' bodies uh, were found. Uh, he was in a rock band with this guy, and uh, that was uh, very close to where the, the bodies were found. So they kind of tied all that together. Now, on the, on the defense side, um, there was uh, a lot of different things uh, that were brought up. First of all, um, they claim that uh, Use has uh, alibis in terms of his whereabouts, and even uh, about uh, the girls being alive past when uh, it has been really kind of speculated that they were alive. Uh, also, certainly uh, pointed out uh, by Sharon Turlington, uh, the defense attorney, that uh, there really is not any physical evidence uh, per se linking use to these murders. No, you know, thumbprints, fingernails, uh, blood, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, the only thing that, that uh, has been previously reported were, was uh, the use uh, burn marks on his hands and face, um, which uh, we've been told uh, is because that uh, he torched Jessica Runyon's car. Turlington said they were actually uh, burning some aerosol cans in a different location, and that's how that happened. So, you know, a lot of different theories and, and thoughts about uh, what happened here, but uh, two very, very different uh, narratives about uh, how all this stuff unfolded. Yeah, I will say that's something that stood out to me, too, is how much the defense packed into their opening statements today. That was a lot of information for the jury. Um, Caitlin, I know the defense presented all of those points. Did the family have any sort of reaction to anything that was said? I know they made some pretty off-color allegations about the girls at some points. Well, there, there was one point where the defense and, and Andy did a good job summing this up. They, they really, the defense, keep in mind, it was about a 30 minute long opening statement um, and sometimes kind of rambling and, and preemptive strikes, to, you know, addressing some of the things that we'll hear in the course of this trial and suggesting, you know, well, it, it might have actually happened this way. Um, but at one point they, they started to, um, they started to mention that Jessica Runyon's, they said was a heavy pot smoker and was smoking pot that the day, um, you know, the night she left that party. And at that point, the, um, the, the state spoke up and, um, they ended up, uh, discussing before the bench, before the judge. And then later the, the defense, then they, they stopped with that line of thought, but they did bring it back. I suppose they were trying to make the point that some of this forensic evidence might show that, um, Jessica Runyon's had allegedly been smoking pot that night. And that when their forensic, um, evidence was examined that, that some of that should have appeared in her brain matter and it didn't. And so they're, they're making the point that maybe um, she, she didn't die during the time that Kyler used might have had that window. Um, there, there were just a lot of little snippets that they were throwing out. A couple of things. They indicated, you know, that they were going to explain why used uh, supposedly confessed to doing this stuff. Uh, and also, who you know, if he didn't do it, who did it? So uh, one of the things um, that certainly caught my attention was that there was a young woman that was wearing a wire uh, that, you know, recording the, the conversation and uh, Sharon Turlington, the defense attorney, seemed to indicate that uh, this young woman acted like um, that it was some kind of a, a turn on for her that use might have killed these girls. And so he was kind of leading her on to believe that because he might be able to have sex with her. And that's that's a pretty, uh, you know. That was certainly something that, uh, you know, I, it, I think got a lot of people's attention. And then the other thing, uh, too, was, you know, talking about 
if he didn't do it, who did? Well, they didn't say uh, exactly, but there seemed to be the implication that Jessup Carter, who is now deceased, uh, his uh, youth's half-brother who uh, committed suicide in jail, uh, is somehow responsible for um, these girls' deaths. So it, at least the Runyons won. So I didn't really hear an explanation from the defense. Uh, they didn't flat out say, if you didn't do it, who, who did? They didn't really say, um, but that was something they claimed that they're going to tell the jurors over the course of this trial. I agree with Andy on that. And even before the trial began, before the jury was brought in, they were discussing whether or not to allow some evidence related to a gold station wagon. And they kept bringing up the name that this might be related to Jessup Carter. And, uh, and so, so there seems to be this theme that they're trying to introduce some evidence that ties Jessup Carter perhaps to these crimes. And some of that was not heard in opening statements. The judge declined to allow the defense to introduce that. Um, but but said that they certainly could upon cross-examination of one of the witnesses. So I do think the groundwork was laid that we're going to hear much more about Jessup Carter than we have previously in the course of this trial. Right. So that's kind of where, where proceedings wrapped up for today. Judge Collins said he wanted the jury to be able to settle in and get some rest. They came four and a half, five hours from the other side of the state. Pretty short proceedings today and trial gets started again at 830 tomorrow morning. So thank you guys. Look forward to hearing more from you later this trial. And just a reminder to our listeners, if you want to hear more about the background of this trial, you can go to kshb.com slash used trial, and we'll be back for the rest of um, the days of the trial with a rotating host of our valuable reporters who are in the courtroom. So thanks for joining. Mm-hmm.